0: Hey, I'm Corey, And I'm Lori. And this is the Nourish Circle Podcast.
1: Bam! Join the band as we gather in our Nourish Circle and talk all things weight-inclusive, haze, non-diet, and whatever else is nourishing us. This episode is sponsored by our band online store. See the show notes for links on products that you can order with the band logo. Lori, can we tell folks about what BAND means?
0: Of course. BAND is badass non-dietitians. diet So it's short.
1: Yeah, and this was so fun. This actually, at the time of the recording, just happened. Last week, and you and I were all over making sure that we could get a T-shirt based on what happened on uh, Fiona Sutherland's Mindful Dietitian and she posted something for the holidays and had that badass non-diet dietitian, And we came up with that acronym pretty quick together, which was so fun how our brains are so synced. So um, we have to thank Fiona for this beautiful extension of our nurse circle. And of course, Vinci was part of that too. So we are excited to, uh, to share that with people.
0: So today we're talking with Vinci Chui, a former bariatric dietitian turned certified intuitive eating counselor and health at every size advocate. She is passionate about helping people find peace and freedom in their relationship with food and with their body so that they can let go of perfection and get more out of life. Ultimately, she's on a mission to prove that it is possible to improve health without focusing on weight. Vinci takes a collaborative and compassionate approach to nutrition counseling and coaching that is rooted in Hayes and intuitive eating philosophy. She believes in helping clients learn to listen to their body and their inner wisdom when it comes to making decisions around food, eating, and health. Aside from her private practice, Vinci serves as the community and content manager for Food Psych Programs, Inc., and is the author of the newly released The Mindful Eating Workbook, Simple Practices for Nurturing a Positive Relationship with Food. Okay. Awesome.
1: All right. Hello, Vinci, and welcome to our nurse Circle podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, we are just Hi, so, Lori. so excited. Look at that. We can't even just share the space here. We just have to start talking to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you so much for spending your early morning with us. Vinci, just for people that are listening, we're wondering if you can just introduce yourself in terms of any privileges that you want us to be aware of as we're talking in terms of where you're at right now. And sort of if you want to just touch on that for us. I know that's somewhat new in the dietetic profession to be talking about our privileges. If you could just share a little bit about Sort of how you've come aware of those.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, um, uh, like you too, I'm a dietitian. I'm also a certified intuitive eating counselor. Um, In terms of privileges, like one thing that I have learned in doing this work is that I. Do have a lot of privilege. I think, other than being a female of um, East Asian background, I am, I'm thin-bodied. I come from a relatively um, yet kind of like an upper middle class sort of family. Um, I speak English fluently. Um, I had the privilege to be able to complete my degree in dietetics and do the internship without any financial difficulty. Um, So, yeah, kind of other than those two things that I just talked about, like, you know, being Chinese and being female, everything else about my identity is quite privileged.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And, you know, this is something I feel myself personally that I am continuing to learn because it just feels like it's ever evolving and always so much to learn. I'm just curious if there are is something that you can point to that that really brought that forward for you or that you're using as a learning platform around those? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say like for me
2: growing up, I was someone who didn't have very high self-esteem. so the, So I always like kind of used myself as a bar to like compare against others because it was like well you know um if I can do it and you know being very down on myself being like and if I can do it like how come no one else can kind of thing Mm -hmm. and it was yeah just kind of through learning about privilege that it Um, yeah that to me it was like wait a minute Um, the reason why I can do these things is because I am coming from a place of privilege um, and I actually have a lot more going for me than other people out there and so it's actually quite unfair that I was using myself as a bar um, because I didn't realize like
1: how high up for lack of a better phrase um, I actually was it it is interesting you say that because i think you know it's so relatable to what our clients go through and and just how ingrained in our society that lack of awareness around mm. those things can be and and sort of you know how how we as a professional can manage that i think that kind of goes to this whole theme that we've had so far and who we've interviewed around compassion fatigue and and sort of how do we manage that? Because it's such hard work in this profession to be mm-hmm. constantly on our toes and learning and, and not taking it personal. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I
2: think that's something that um, you're right. Our profession is still has a lot of work to do in terms of, yeah, like not taking it personally.
1: Not yeah, I think
0: that's something that um, I've been seeing a lot on social media lately, mm-hmm. um, kind of talking about the different approaches and how to kind of work on compassion fatigue and state your privilege and also give your message. Um, but at the time of this recording, you just finished up a series with chronic disease and intuitive eating, which, can I just say, I loved.
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: um, I read them all. Um, Can you tell us about what prompted you to do this series and any type of feedback that you've received from it?
2: Sure. Yeah. So um, I decided to do my intuitive eating with a chronic condition series because over the summer I actually hit like a patch of writer's block. Like I had no idea what I wanted to blog about. So I sort of put it out there to my audience and I was like, Hey, like, what would you like to read about? And, um, sort of the questions that I got back was, you know, how can I do intuitive eating when I have diabetes or how can I do intuitive eating when I have PCOS? And it really speaks to, I think, a larger belief that um, intuitive eating is like, only works if you are someone who is quote unquote healthy or intuitive eating only works if you are recovering from disordered eating um, but you don't have any other kind of physical health conditions and so yeah so I just saw that there was this like confusion out there about um, how intuitive eating could fit into these different scenarios and the common thread was this idea of like Having physical health concerns or having a chronic condition. And so I try to make it very broad. and yeah, that's kind of what prompted me to do it. Um, in terms of response, I have been pleasantly surprised. Uh, I, When I put it out there, um, I guess another privilege that I have is that I am able-bodied. I don't have a chronic condition myself. So I kind of worried, like, is this really going to speak to people who have a chronic condition or um, is it too broad when I just say like chronic condition and I'm not narrowing it down to a specific one um but i've gotten really positive feedback um i was actually in seattle not too long ago and i met lindley ashleen who runs the representation matters website Mm -hmm. so it's stock photos of people Mm -hmm. in larger bodies and um And she was like, oh, like, I love this series. I share it with people all the time. So it's been really cool. Like, I've definitely kind of heard similar feedback that people are sharing it, which is awesome. Well, I do have to say as a person with a chronic disease, I found it incredible
0: to read. And I, um, so much of it res- resonated with me. Um, and I thought it came from such a beautiful perspective um, that honestly, in my brain, I almost thought you had a chronic disease. <laughs> to be oh. um, because it was so non-judgmental and just, you no, know, this is what you can do and how you can do it. And it was just beautiful. Oh, thank you.
1: Yes, I'm so thankful for your work because I think it's it's really about the how of intuitive eating and medical nutrition therapy. Which I think, whether you're a client perspective or a clinician perspective, um, it's really showing the conversation that we can have with folks around what they're dealing with in that non-judgmental way, which. Obviously, you know, once you get deep into this practice, you forget that there was once a time when you had this agenda and you were projecting that onto your client or mm-hmm. even a colleague. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I really appreciate how you tell that story and show those examples with people that, that are really wanting to do this work, but they're just not sure how to let go of that diet mentality and that weight centric approach that, you know, is still in our school system. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I would say like, it's difficult because that's what they are told by other health professionals that they're going to. Like, I think what makes intuitive eating seem so out of reach is this belief that, um, you know, nutrition has to come first or like exercise has to come first. Um, you know, I can't just quote unquote eat whatever I want. Um, and, and it just goes so much deeper than that. And I truly believe that everyone can be an intuitive eater. Um, the rea- like what it looks like is going to be different for everyone. But I think um, that mindset, that intention um, can exist, like no matter where you're at in terms of health or um, finances or kind of all these
1: different things as well. Mm-hmm. so in that series and just based on the feedback and the clients and the clinicians that you've worked with balancing that intuitive eating with medical nutrition therapy with a chronic disease mm-hmm. it seems like such an art
2: yeah absolutely right? yeah for so sure
1: if you were talking to a clinician who's sort of new to this approach um, what would be your recommendation for them to be aware of and how they could blend all of those things together so that the pendulum isn't swinging too far?
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a tough question. Like, I think, um, it depends on the individual, like meeting the person where they're at, really paying attention to their story, um, you know, where, where are their struggles and what is their relationship with food? Like, I think those are things that aren't always asked about um, when say like a doctor just goes in and recommends a specific diet and um, being able to kind of pull back from that and being like, okay, well, what are you really looking for when you are trying to eat this way and what, how is eating this way actually serving you? Like, is it actually helpful? Is it actually easy? Or are you finding that it's causing a lot of distress? And where can we find that balance? And where can we even, you know, um, I think dispel some myths around
1: the relationship between food and health?
2: Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's such an honest answer. And I think this is where I too see, and even from the retreat, Lori and I just ran with dietitians is like, we just want the answer. Like, just mm-hmm. tell me how to do it. And yeah. so I can help more people. And it's, it's almost a hard, like you said, it's a hard question to answer because everyone is different and your style is different from the next person. And, mm-hmm. and it really is just something you have to just continue to nourish and let grow organically and, and be in that yeah. moment and have that discomfort with your clients and just listen.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is hard doing it in a weight centric system. Like it's hard when, um, just as an example, like I work at a GI clinic. And so it's hard when, um, the doctor has already primed the patient to think that you're going to teach them, say like the low FODMAP diet. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so oh that uh, still happens yes <laughs> Absolutely. all the time
1: yeah.
2: yeah so um so I totally get it and I think some I think one of the things that a lot of dietitians can probably relate to is that a lot of us are um, overachievers and perfectionists and Um, a lot of us are people pleasers. Um, so I totally get why, like, um, doing something other than what the referral says will feel difficult. Um, not having the answer is going to feel difficult and this work is hard. Um, and I think why, I keep doing this work at least is because as difficult it is, like I know for me that is my truth and that is um, the way that I feel that I am not causing any harm um, because I've been in environments where I have been causing harm for too long. Uh,
1: And I think that's, again, such a huge thing for other folks to hear whether again, they are a dietitian or a client is that I think at that point you were unaware of that. Mm -hmm. And there's been so much pushback from, you know, other dietitians who, who sort of, um, and even other professionals that are coaching nutrition. I've heard this too, where they critique this approach and, Mm -hmm. and say that they are using it, but they're using it in their own way. And Mm -hmm. I just, I see that it's, it's not for 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 money always or for pride or for whatever it's just again a reflection of how ingrained and the place of awareness and learning that that person is at
2: mm mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. yeah and i would say like for me this really became apparent yesterday, like yesterday was World Obesity Day. So I think like obesity social media came out in full force yesterday. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and uh, it was, it was tougher for me than I thought it would be. um, Because it really highlighted like, just as you said, how ingrained Um, some of those beliefs are and how much work we still have to do and how frustrating it is when, um, when I think some professionals say that they are moving forward or moving towards a more weight inclusive practice, but still stuck in certain ways and not um, hearing why their stuckness is harmful. Um, With that in mind, like, having compassion for the fact that all of us are going to make mistakes and keep on making mistakes Mm -hmm. um, as we work through this and so yeah it's just messy and i think messy and imperfect can is hard for some people who are used to you know like getting straight a's in school or or just having the answer and and being a fixer yeah there's just so much to unpack
0: you actually, you had a, a beautiful post from a tweet that
2: you wrote yesterday,
0: and I don't have it in front of me. Hmm. Um, do you know which one I'm talking about? Um, there was a reply to one of your tweets, and it was, um, oh, my goodness. I forget. Oh, I should scroll through my phone. I forget what you wrote, but you reposted it on, I think it was Instagram, um, the tweet that you wrote, and there was the response, and it was, it was just so disheartening um, when you were speaking about um, the language of obesity and the medicalization. Mm-hmm. And I think that someone wrote a reply, um, almost saying, "But this is how I am defined."
2: Oh, um, that was Jose's tweet.
0: Oh, it was Jose, but you didn't? You have a follow up?
2: I did retweet it.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I,
2: I, no, that's okay. I did retweet oh, it, and I know Jose had. Um, she had put it up on Facebook and was like, "Look at this." And then, um, and then I had replied, "Oh my gosh!" Like the internalized fat phobia of that response is so yeah, is so sad. Um, yeah. Sorry, I think your reply hit my tweets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, like, that, that makes sense. Phobia, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and but that's
0: what I found a lot of um, the internalized fat phobia that was showing up yesterday when people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And sort of the response that I'm hearing is like, well, um, you know, we need to support people if they identify as living with obesity. And they're, and it's like, yes, we need to support them in letting go of the internalized fat phobia, not by giving them treatments to quote unquote, help them treat obesity and it's frustrating how um a lot of obesity professionals now are co-opting non-diet language and they're saying well we're not worried about weight Um, obesity is really about excess fat that impairs health quote unquote and and it's just like okay, so you've made up this condition that you don't have diagnostic criteria for. Like, how do you know? Like, what is considered excess fat? How do you know that that fat is what is causing these health concerns, and that it's not weight stigma, and that it's not um, uh, you know just being sick while fat, and how like and how are like what treatments do you have that are targeting this quote unquote fat that is causing um these health concerns and it's and what I'm sort of thinking is they're like, well, we are giving them weight loss medications or bariatric surgery, but we don't really care how much weight they're going to lose. That is what makes us weight neutral. Um, But it's like, if you're giving treatments that were created based on how much weight people lost on them, like that is not weight neutral care. So it's, yeah, like I feel like um, they need to, clean their house first <laughs> before trying to come to ours.
0: <laughs> I think that's a beautiful way of saying that.
2: <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I think the, the the verbiage is just where everyone is getting very stuck and just the co-opting of language. Mm-hmm. Um, so to kind of stay in the social media um, vein for a little bit, yeah. um, you recently just created a very cool Facebook group um that both Corey and I joined. Um Thank you. Well, Thank we you. were super excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us what it's called, who it's for, and why you chose the very cool name that you did.
2: Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of it. I am super excited about it too, because I literally thought that like only five people were going to be a part of it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it's called Weight Inclusive Dietitians in Canada. And um, it's funny because I sat on the idea for like months before I like finally launched the Facebook group. And um, And, uh, now like over Thanksgiving long weekend, it grew to over 250 members, which is amazing. amazing. Like it's, to me, it's so amazing that there is so much interest in this, um, this paradigm Um, so like i think it's a way of dietitians sort of saying that the way that we're taught is not working and we're looking for something else um and why i chose weight inclusive as opposed to say like weight neutral or non-diet or health at every size um was because um well, I think like weight inclusive is like a broader umbrella that captures all of these um, different paradigms and movements. So it includes health at every size. It includes intuitive eating. It includes mindful eating, non-diet, anti-diet, like a bunch of different approaches. Um, I know another term that people use is weight neutral. And why I was very purposeful about using weight inclusive is because I know that um, weight neutral is a term that in a way sort of erases weight. And we're not here to say that we don't care about a person's weight, um, because a person's weight does affect how they interact with the world, how they see and how they are seen. Um, and, And it is a part of it. It's just that we're not Treating it, and we're not um, locating it as a problem. Um, so yeah, so that's why I chose weight inclusive as opposed to weight neutral to kind of highlight the fact that weight is something that we care about, just not in the way that people would expect us to care about weight. I really love that definition
0: between um, the weight inclusive and the weight neutral. I think it's something that oftentimes people kind of use interchangeably, but mm-hmm. And I really like the way you just explain that in a way that I think is very clear. Thank you. Um, I also, I love the way you had or asked um, the dietitians that joined your group to introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it's so amazing. We have a very large country and <laughs> it's so amazing to see how spread out we all are
2: Yeah, um,
0: and how this um, movement for lack of a better word is everywhere we might be in little pockets um but it's I think I read one um this weekend that was in Yellowknife mm-hmm. and that's way far up north from me yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and so it's just it's so amazing to have this um Canadian grown uh, group that we can realize that when we're sitting in our little offices or at my kitchen table like I'm right now that I'm not <laughs> the only one this. Um, do you know what I mean? So it's just mm-hmm. so wonderful to see. Well, thank you.
2: Yeah, and I thought like a Canadian community would be so important because I know there are already a lot of like health at every size groups out there, and I'm part of a lot of them. Um, but I thought that I think it's I well the Canadian system in terms of health system and education system are different. And I think sometimes it's just nice to feel like there is something closer to home. Um, So that's why I thought it was important to start a Canadian group despite there being already lots of other groups out there.
1: (laughs) It's just so accessible too, right? I mean, when I first introduced Health at Every Size in my life and you know, I've grown from weight neutral to weight inclusive and like totally have to rebrand everything, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's work for another day. But yeah. I, I'm so thankful for it because like Lori said, there were so many days where I'm like hitting my head off the table going, oh, they just don't get it. And, and having that community to come back to and, and know that there's Canadian roots to it, I think is just so valuable. And knowing that there's 5,000 members in just DC alone there's obviously room for this group to continue to grow, and um, you know I'm I'm just curious for you how you manage when someone within your group is is because we know this is going to happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> but when you get that <laughs> that post in the group, um, I'm just curious how you're planning to manage the the curiosity and the um, we even had this happen in our retreat someone saying something. But they don't mean it the way they're saying it. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, that inscribed way of saying it. So I'm just curious how you'll keep mm. that in yeah. mind when you're when you're re- um, responding to those types of things. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Um, and you know, the thing to be honest with you, like I wasn't sure. Um, when my group was growing so quickly, I was like, Ooh, I don't know if there are <laughs> actually so many of us who are fully in and, and doing this work. I mean, it makes sense in a group of over 250 that everybody's going to be at different stages. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I've already seen is that, um, the, that, Already the dietitians in the group are um, very, I don't know if like provocative is the right word, but, but like everyone is already asking kind of thought provoking questions. Like I thought that it would just be a lot of me being like, just trying to post things and getting people to engage. But I feel that everyone in the group is um, already quite engaged. So I feel that there is going to be a little bit of self sort of moderating which is kind of nice but one thing that i was very conscious of is that i did include that yeah like uh people who are curious about weight inclusive practice can be a part of the group and i was very in in the group guidelines i was very purposeful about saying that it is a brave space um and i get that it's going to be uncomfortable and to be honest i feel like the it's really going to be up to the individual, like there is going to be discomfort. And it's really up to that person to decide, are they going to work through that discomfort? Or are they just going to be like, I am too uncomfortable, and I'm going to leave. Um, And I think the sad reality is like, some people are going to decide that, they don't want to go through that, the discomfort of this work. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. Um, I think like, even if we're talking about just kind of broader social media in general, and a lot of dietitians now saying, well, like, I am not an anti-diet dietitian or whatever, like, I would much rather um, dietitians say that they aren't anti-diet, or that they're anti-anti-diet than someone saying that they're anti-diet but then still you know pushing weight loss or whatever Um, to me it's better that yeah like it's better that you're clear on what your messaging is the services that you offer rather than um, really like kind of have sending out a confusing message and causing more harm
1: oh I love that that's Something I haven't even really thought of is, is sort of picking that identity and knowing what that is because I think, like you said earlier, there's so much bias towards what intuitive eating is, what weight inclusive is, what haze is. So being able to just say, this is who I am right now because it could change. Yeah, absolutely. But, but not giving out that confusing message at the same time because that can be Yeah, helpful. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, um, you know, I just looked on Facebook and it says that I'm a founding member of your group. So I feel, you know, proud to be part of something that you started. <laughs> and basically <and laughs> giving me that identity of, hey, you were one of the originals. Uh, That's awesome. You, you know, well, in five why? years. what's <laughs> <Was> that? <laughs>
0: So I have to search to see where I am in there.
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that was such a thing. I think that's just the social media. Yeah, you know, I think they're the trying highlights. to
2: get people like engaging in groups more. So now that you can be like a conversation
1: starter or a founding member or, yeah. <laughs> it totally so makes on me. Yes, I love that. It's, it's that gratification, right, of like, this is why we're doing this work because mm-hmm. you can be that founding member. Um, yeah. And so, you know, knowing, you know, we've talked about the work that's involved and how we have hard days and sometimes we have many hard days in a row. What is currently nourishing you? How how do you manage all of that for you personally?
2: Mm. I have... A great therapist (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so my therapist their name is Tiffany Sostar and they are um, doing their masters in narrative therapy so they've been offering um, therapy sessions for a very like lowered cost which means I can access it more often than I normally would so that has been super helpful I also get supervision from Grace Wong, who is amazing, um, and I think the support that I get from not just the weight-inclusive dietitians group, but other um, health at every size sort of groups, I find very nourishing. Just, just like, and with all those things, and with building this sort of community and support around me, it really just makes me feel that I'm not doing this work by myself that you know that there are others who believe in this work and who feel that this is the direction that healthcare needs to go um i would like i guess in other things um i really enjoy cooking and um and yoga as well so i'm actually starting my yoga teacher training
1: next week so i'm doing mine too
2: yeah oh that's awesome yeah my yoga teacher is awesome like i never thought that i would um do yoga teacher training that wasn't something that was really on my radar but my teacher is amazing and so she opened sort of a school for yoga teacher training and so yeah i was just like yeah i want to do it i want to deepen my yoga practice. And also there's just so much overlap between mm-hmm. yoga and mindful eating and intuitive eating that it just felt like a good fit. I totally get that
1: because I went through that a few the last year. I'm like, there's so much overlap here and I want to learn more and I want to be mindful. And exactly what you said about needing a therapist, the more I get into this work, the more I'm like, holy moly, I have a lot to learn about myself, about myself professionally, about the Mm -hmm. message. And, you know, I think I finally embraced that, that this is just going to be this adventure that never, well, it's Mm going to end at some point. But hopefully that's a long, long time from now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, yeah, it's just amazing how much similarity we as a profession for those of us who identify with this approach, you're just like, yeah, I do that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think uh, that community is so, so, so important. Yeah. As well as that support that we all need individually. And there's, you know, I think part of that can be feeling that shame of, you know, I should know this. Like, why am I struggling with this? And mm-hmm. I've been doing this for so many years. Like how come I don't fully get it yet? And, and I, I've heard that conversation going on yeah. in my head. So I, I thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that openly um, with what services you find really helpful. Cause I think it kind of helps us to just put that perfectionism as a dietitian or whatever it is, the list builder, the helper, the pleaser, whatever label we've kind of fallen into aside mm-hmm. and say you're human yeah yeah
2: and that's so true like that conversation about like I've been doing this for years like how come I don't get it yet yeah I totally feel that way all the time I would say like um Ooh not quite yet (laughs) with health at every size and weight inclusive work just because i'm i am still quite new Mm -hmm. and um part of the thing with starting the group was kind of like oh like um a bit of imposter syndrome around starting the group when i realized that you know people have been doing this work for five years or ten years or like decades um there's some people in the group so there's just so much wisdom to learn from in there and um but i would say like as uh, someone who owns a private practice and a, being a business owner, it's like, well, my business has been in existence for six or seven years now. How come it's not like, how come I'm still working part time for, <laughs> um, for the public system? So, so yeah, that feeling of not being good enough or that feeling of imposter syndrome is so real and so universal um, that I don't want people listening to this to think that I have it all together because I definitely don't. Like maybe I do want them to think that I have it all together so that they'll trust me. But other than that, um, yeah. So take take away from this like what would feel like you trust and respect me more that <laughs> that I have it all together or that I don't have it all together. <laughs>
1: I was talking to Julie Sweeney about this yesterday, who is my therapist. Mm. And um, we were talking about uh, perfectionism as a mom and how you mm. want to make the best lunch. You want your kids to look decent going out the door. You want to make sure dinner's on the table at a certain time and keep their routine so that they stay you know, health, healthy and happy. And as a mom, if you never show, and I'm, using mom because that's something I identify with. But mm-hmm. if you never show them that things don't work out, then they come, can come by honestly that perfectionism as they grow up, that they have mm-hmm. to be with mom who's running around with their head cut off and never taking time for themselves. And so I I posted this picture yesterday on my um, Instagram of my daughter at, at daycare wearing um, – a superhero costume and she's in the kitchen giving her baby a bath <laughs> and it was all about you know being the super mom and sometimes being whether you're super mom or super haze or superhero whatever <laughs> in whatever field even anti non dietitian whatever it is that you're identifying with is that in order for us to continue to grow part of being that superhero is things not working out mm-hmm. And you know, it really took me a long time to wrap my head around, that, and I'm still probably wrapping my head around that. Um, so I think that's so important for us, all three of us, to be you know sharing those stories with with folks that you know I've had two failed businesses and and now I'm on number three, and I'm like determined for this one um, to carry for the long term, but you don't know that there's no crystal ball
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So, you just have to take it one day at a time or one moment at a time or a second at a time and, yeah. and let it grow organically. So I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Okay.
0: So Vinci, it's been so awesome to talk to you um in real life because I have followed all your <laughs> social media for a while. Uh, <laughs> so I guess it's not real life, but yeah.
1: Next time. <laughs> one step,
0: clo- one step her- closer <laughs> to real life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one step closer. Um so you do have amazing social media feeds. So
2: can you tell us how folks can find you? Yeah. So um, you can come to my website. It's com. not spelled how it's pronounced. It's V-I-N-C-C-I-T-S-U-I.com. That's my website where you'll find my blog um, with my into chronic intuitive eating with a chronic condition series and, um, on social media, I'm at Vinci RD. So V I N C C I R D. Um, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, I would say like my Facebook is probably like my most professional one. My Twitter, like I am not great at being consistent with that, and my Instagram is kind of a mess. Like I just post like pictures of my dinner. Um, <laughs> I used to- Can I just say are beautiful some days? And I look oh, at them, and I'm like, oh, I
0: got this urge to make congee the other day after you posted that.
2: Yeah, yeah, kanji. Wow. Well, it's it's warming up a bit in Calgary, but we had a few, like, snow dumps the past little bit, even though I know in Ontario it's, like, 20-plus right now. Oh, um, not today. Not today, no. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, whatever. We're Not close to snow, though, but... Yeah. Like you don't have snow on the ground. So it was, (laughs) it was perfect for Calgary weather. Um, so yeah, so that's where you can find me. And then something super exciting that's coming up, um, new year's Eve, my book is coming out. So it's called (gasps) the mindful eating workbook. Um, yeah simple strategies to nurture a positive relationship with food so congratulations so that, that's so exciting that, that is amazing,
0: amazing. Yeah. is it on the pre order
2: um not that i know of yet like so i it's it's um the way that this book came about is sort of um different than the usual path in that i was actually approached by a publisher to write it um and write sort of according to um that uh, an outline that their editor kind of created for me so it's it's sort of a different way for a book to kind of come together as far as I know it's not on pre-order yet but I can definitely let you know when that happens oh, sure. and then of course the last way you can find me is in our new Facebook group weight inclusive dietitians in Canada as long as you're a dietitian in Canada like I will approve you. And then if you like just go in the group and post like weight loss is awesome, then I will probably kick you out. So <laughs> <laughs> we both promise we will never
0: do that. <laughs> we will not. <laughs> so it's been so
2: awesome to talk to you today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and joining our nourish circle. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad we had this like very broad reaching um, conversation. I, and I think this podcast is going to be so amazing. Like it's so awesome to have um, Canadian weight inclusive content.
1: Woo-hoo. Well, thank you. We'll keep spreading your message and we'll keep updating those show notes to include all of your fun projects you're working on. I can't wait to get my copy. Well, thanks.
0: Thank you for being part of our nourish circle today. We hope you join us next time.